This church is very active. And I want to just run on a couple. If you have a bulletin, they're all there. I just want to highlight a couple. You know, very shortly, we're going to be voting on a new pastor. And if you uh, come here all the time, but you're not a member, I'm sorry you won't be able to vote. But there's, a, there's an opportunity for you to be able to vote in that on the 30th of September, we're going to have the New Beginnings class, which is a prerequisite to become a member. And it's going to be from 9 a.m. to noon. If you want to be part of that and be able to vote in the upcoming uh, pastoral election, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. And that is going to be the last class before the vote is taken for a new pastor. Some exciting things coming up also. On October the 1st, we're going to be uh, visited by um, Mike and Jolene McAfee. And if you've never uh, experienced uh, ministry under them, he's a tremendous expositor of the word. And Sister Jolene has blessed us with, with music every single time she's come. So don't stay home on on 10-1, October 1st, be here and you will be blessed. Also, as part of the missions program, every uh, once in a while the mission, missionary comes through here and on Wednesday, October 4th, we're going to have our missionaries from um, Mexico to come and minister. Brother Trueworthy, if you've never heard him minister, will bless you. He will get those juices in you moving because he is a tremendous preacher. 10-4, mark it in your calendar. 10-4? 10-4. another great and important date. The worship team from the house uh, of God from Goldsboro will be here ministering. Um, and, you know, if that wasn't good enough... Gary and TJ are going to provide food for us that day. Raise your hand, uh, TJ. Not Gary, I don't see him, but you guys know him. They'll be providing food for us. Pastor's uh, adage is, if you feed them, they will come. So we will expect in you. Remember, mark it, 10-7, and be prepared for a night of worship that is outstanding. Thank you. Now let's welcome our pastor. Oh, you're coming up? Okay. It wasn't on my notes. Yes, it was. I apologize. Before you get Pastor Larry, you get me. <clears throat> um, so I come bearing some exciting news. All right, how many of you remember that we actually have a pastor search going on? It's not as many hands as I expected. <laughs> We do have a pastor search going on, um, and I am here to tell you that things are moving along. As Dan said, um, if you're not a member of the church and you want to have a, vo a voice in affirming our next pastor, um, please do make sure you sign up for that membership class um, because I believe he spoke correctly. This will be the last opportunity that you have. So <clears throat> I, I'm not going to take long, um, but I do want to let you know uh, where things are, and some dates that you need to put on your calendar. Okay, so as Larry says, get out your smartphone, your date book, whatever you need to do. Uh, I've got some information for you, and I hope that this is information you want. So <clears throat> after reading over 60 resumes, um, talking to eight or nine people on the phone, 
shortlisting three candidates, the Your Pastoral Search Committee has identified the man that we believe God is calling to Bethel Christian Center. Um, there was one person that stood far and away above everyone else that we had looked into. And it was, it, it was clear to the seven of us um, that the Holy Spirit has led us in this direction. There's unity. I mean, there, there is tremendous unity among the search committee. And my prayer is, is that that will be true for all of us once you have an opportunity to meet him. Um, what's even more exciting is, is that this man and his wife both also believe that this is God's call on their life because they are coming out of a very stable situation, um, a very good situation, and yet they are of the mind that God is saying, it's time. I'm, I've prepared you for this. So we believe that God has prepared Bethel for them and them for Bethel, and you couldn't ask for a better situation. So I'd like you to put some dates on your calendar. Okay, first one is Sunday, October 8th. That's three weeks from today. Okay, so on Sunday, October 8th, we will introduce this candidate to you. And what do I mean by that? I'm not giving you his name today. Okay, and the reason I'm not giving you his name today is because if I do, everyone will go onto Facebook and find out who his friends are and who your friends are, and there will undoubtedly be a connection, because we already actually know of connections, between our church and his current church, and there are a few things that have to happen on his end before he's fully prepared to address the questions that he's going to get when it becomes known that he believes God is calling him somewhere else. Okay, so in three weeks, we're going to introduce you to him. Um, I'm going to ask he and his wife to give a short video that we're going to play for you. And that Sunday, the pastoral search committee is all seven of us, I hope, are going to be up here and give you kind of our, our take on this. Okay, we, we, are the, we are the sermon that day, um, but I trust that it will bless you because there's a story to tell here, and it's a great, great story. So, um, as I said, we're very mindful of protecting his privacy until he's ready to deal with it fully on his end, and that's why I'm not giving you his name today. <clears throat> but on October 8th, no holds barred. <clears throat> um, then, three weeks later, so the weekend of the 27th, the 28th, and 29th, so six weeks from now, that is going to be candidate weekend here at Bethel. And so what I mean by that is he and his wife are coming. They're going to spend the weekend with us, and you're going to have multiple opportunities to meet, to poke, to ask questions, to hear him preach, minister, and see what, who he is. So if you're busy that weekend, try to get unbusy because it's going to be a really important weekend in the life of our church. <clears throat> um, we're still working out the final details, okay, of what, what the logistics of that's going to look like, but here's what I think you can reasonably expect. Friday night, he and his wife will be here for our Friday night prayer. And for those of you who do not typically come, I would encourage you to come. Now, serendipitously, that happens to be the last Friday night of the month. And for those of you who do come, you know that after prayer the last Friday of the month, we eat together. There's one thing that this church does well together, it is eat. And so uh, there's lots of eating going to happen this weekend. Um, so on the 27th, we'll have prayer from 7 to 7.45 or whatever it ends. And then we're going to have fellowship with the potluck in the back. Please come. They'll be here for that. On Saturday, um, during the middle of the day, not in the evening, but during the middle of the day, we're going to have some kind of a church-wide fellowship meal. 
Okay, we're still working out the details for that, but uh, everyone is invited to come. I mean, you don't have to be a member to come to any of this, by the way. If you are not a member, you are still invited. So we will have a fellowship, um, informal kind of a thing, and then probably also a few more more formal meetings where uh, he and his wife will meet the church staff, the board, um, the, you know, the Westbrooks, and so forth. So uh, that's, that's Saturday, and we'll give you the details coming. And then Sunday, um, he's going to preach. He will be our preacher on Sunday the 29th. Now, once we can tell you who he is in three weeks, you are certainly free to go and investigate yourself, okay? In this uh, 21st century, we didn't have to travel to hear him preach, we just had to go online. And so we did that. And uh, I can tell you this, this is a man who loves Jesus, loves the word, is capable of handling the word very, very effectively in both individual and corporate settings. And he is Pentecostal. He understands the Holy Spirit. He understands how to work with the Holy Spirit in a corporate setting. And I trust you will be pleased once you get a chance to meet him. Um, he comes to us highly recommended as a teacher of the word. And since we've had an opportunity to listen to him ourselves, we can testify he is a fantastic teacher of the word. So, finally, after church on the 29th, we're going to eat again. And we will have a second all-church-wide meal of some kind. Um, and... It's uh, going to be an opportunity for everybody just to hang out, to talk, um, to do, you know, informal rubbing shoulders. I'm also planning on asking him if he'd be willing to do a question and answer session with us. So, you know, nothing formal. Give him a mic. Ask whatever you want. Ask me anything. Not me, him. Um, and possibly the other way around. Because he and his wife might want to ask us some questions. Now, we have tried to answer, well, not tried. We have answered all the questions that they've asked so far. But he has only met seven of us to this point. And I hope there are a hundred people there. So this might be a two-way kind of a thing. And so I can't say exactly how long that will last. But the goal is to kind of just spend whatever time we need, you know, with him meeting our family, us meeting his family. And then after that, we move on. So finally, only after all of that takes place will we call a special business meeting of the church to affirm what we believe is God's call for Bethel. Okay, so that's it in a nutshell. Um, if you have any specific questions about, you know, any of that process stuff, see me after service. I'll be happy to answer your questions, although I'm not sure I can tell you much more than I just did because we're still working on a lot of this. But um, please make plans to be here on the 8th. And, and for those of you who are watching online, this obviously includes you. Okay, this is the entire Bethel family, whether you're here today or not. <clears throat> please try to be here on the 8th and to learn about our candidate and then if at all possible, prioritize the 27th through the 29th so that you can be here to meet in person and get to know um, him and his wife. Um, God is bringing us to a significant milestone in the life of this church. There has not been a milestone like this in 54 years. And as I look around this room, very few of us were around then to experience that milestone. So this is, this is new for most of us. Um, but if you call Bethel home, I would just ask you to make these events a priority over the coming six weeks. Okay, thank you. Now, we'll get Pastor Larry. Exciting times. We should be excited about this. Uh, we, we picked the right people for this committee, people I trust. 
people I know who sought the Lord in this. And I'll just tell you, church, I've been at Bethel long enough to know, and many of you have, just to see and be faithful to God. I mean, this church has been faithful, and God has been faithful to us. There's never been a time that we weren't in need that God didn't provide for us. And so please mark all those dates. Your voice is very, very important in this. You're the church. And so please plan on being here. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to meet him. Uh, I, I do know who it is. It was shared with the board. I've already had a chance to do my own little bit of research, and I'm more excited now than I was when I just got the name. So uh, I think uh, God is certainly leading us in, in the right direction. Um, first of all, before I get started this morning, I want to thank the way you all responded to sign up to help. Honestly, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I really didn't. And there was just... I just didn't. Matt's going, oh, ye of little faith. I just thought I might get a couple, three, but you all just responded, and I just want to thank you for doing that. Uh, if you haven't been contacted yet, you will soon be contacted about a special meeting. You know, the, working with the kids is something I think we can start plugging folks right in right away. When it comes to the multimedia and the sound, there has to be a little more training in that, uh, and so Tammy and Brother Matt will be, uh, be contacting someone about that in, in the future, but I just want to thank you. But I did need to clean up one area that I overlooked, and, and I shouldn't have. First of all, I want to recognize and ask him to stand. I want to ask Gerald Singleton to stand for a minute. Uh, this is one faithful man to Bethel Christian Center and has been for many, many years in a lot of areas. Thank you, Gerald. I mean, oftentimes I think we see what's happening at the pulpit, and this person's the face of the church, and they are. But what makes Bethel function is each of you and the things that you do. And Gerald just does a lot behind the scenes, and he drives the bus. And that takes a, a special license, a CDL license. He has one, Brother Harry has one, and um, uh, Michael. Michael has one. So, but Gerald's the one who goes and gets folks. He brought Sister Judy. Sister Judy, it's good to see you this morning. And Sister Louise, some of our folks who can't drive anymore, they've been faithful to our church for years, and so we would like to be able to still get into church when we can. But that requires Gerald to get here early and drive the bus and all. So I just want to issue a challenge to anyone that might be thinking, maybe you would get a CDL license. And maybe you would say to Brother Gerald, I'll take one of those, those Sundays, and that way you don't have to get here early and do all that. So uh, I just wanted to recognize Gerald and, and issue that challenge to anyone who might be uh, willing to get a license. Um, I do want to um, make a couple more announcements about Wednesday night. So this Wednesday night, for lack of a better term, I've titled this just a night to learn about alternative forms of education outside of the public school system. Uh, I don't think you have to watch much media to see some of the things going on in our public schools today. Uh, and, and there's a lot of options out there. And it doesn't mean that you're going to take one of these. It's an informational session only. And you don't have to have children in the schools yet. You might be a grandparent because you might be concerned. I know I am. I, I hope that God will position me in such a way that I can help my kids and my, maybe do something different with my grandchildren. So I hope all of you who come on Wednesday night will come. Uh, I don't know if you know um, Steve uh, Noble with the Steve Noble Show called Action. He's going to be here. Uh, he, he's going to give us some information about some of the things that's going on. He teaches a homeschool class. Uh, Ann, and Matt Fisher, Ann primarily, has homeschooled all three of her children. She's just going to talk a little bit about the process. You know, how did she pick a curriculum? Some things like that. Uh, and then Jim and Laura Griffin would be here with us. Um, there's, they've, started a, they've started a new Christian school out in Bahama called The Guardian. And they're going to have an open house this weekend. And it's Saturday, Friday and Saturday. Is that right? Do I have that right, Jim? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, 
Okay, okay, there, there it is right there. There it is. It's, it's Monday and Tuesday from 6 to 8. So we'll have some more information about that, but that's this coming Monday and Tuesday, right? So, uh, yes, ma'am. I think that, that Jim might have some information on the, the voucher system a little bit. So Jim and Laura are going to be here Wednesday night also. So if you could come Wednesday night, that would be great. And they're going to talk a little bit about their school. So there's just, and, and church, you're going to see more and more of this. You're going to see more and more solid believers saying, I got to do something different here. Uh, and so uh, ju- just plan on coming Wednesday night and, and you, will, you will get a lot of information on that. The night of worship, there is a sign-up sheet for that. Uh, Do sign up in the back so we can know how much food to bring. And lastly, this Sunday is Voter Registration Sunday. If you're not registered to vote, you need to get registered to vote. Uh, And we have a couple with us that have been involved in in the political process for many, many years. And as Trish Randall said the other Wednesday night, my politics don't drive my faith. My faith drives my politics. Okay, that's, 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 why, that's what makes the decisions for what I do, is what I believe. And I believe that righteousness is what we're lacking in our nation. And we, as God's people, are the ones that need to be the voice for righteousness. So Bob and Trish Randall, if you guys will stand, you guys look at them. They're very distinguished looking. And um, they're going to be back in the back after church. They're going to be at a little table. They, if you, maybe you don't know. Maybe you've moved. If you've moved, you've got to change your registration. Uh, and so they know all the answers to all that stuff. So if you want to stop by and see them, they will help you. If you're not registered, they can tell you how to get that done. But that's important. Elections are coming up. And honestly, I'm one of those that believe the churches run from this for too long. We've, been, we've, we've hidden ourselves away and, and said, well, we'll just preach the gospel. I'm all for the gospel. But we also got to get out and let our voices be heard. We also got to shine light in a dark place. And, and they're going to call us names, and they're going to say all kinds of things about us. Well, guess what? Then we've just joined in with what happened with the early church, and we're just making our voice heard. So, and I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about how we respond to all that. So that's going to lead us into this morning's, this morning's sermon. Uh, we're going to continue st- uh, studying in the book of James. I, I say studying, I, studying together. I hope you've read it, five chapters, and I hope you'll read it multiple times as we go through it. And it's, someone's asked me about it recently. It's a lot easier to preach this book than it was Genesis. I can tell you that. It's much more practical. I mean, every time I read and study something shortly into the passage of Scripture, I can think of something in my own life that this has related to. And, and in my witnessing encounters, I always encourage some folks to read the Bible. And people don't know anything about the Bible, so you should give them some guidance on what to read. And one of the books I encourage them to read is the book of James. Because it's such practical Christian living. And so we're going to continue doing that this morning. And this morning we're going to talk about something that we all deal with. The title of this morning's message is Taming the Tongue. Now when the Bible says the tongue, it's not talking about this little two-ounce membrane that's behind the cage of our teeth. No more than when it talks about the heart that it's talking about this thing that pumps blood. It's talking about our speech. It's talking about our speech, and our speech is important. And so if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and read along with me as we look at what James tells us and challenges us in our speech. He says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. 
If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt and fresh water. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your practicality of it. Lord, I thank you for the move of the Holy Spirit. I think when I feel your presence. But Lord, I also thank you for the practicality of your word. God, I'm commanded to to follow you and to live out your word because of what it says, not how I feel. And I thank you for that, Lord. You haven't left us alone. You said you didn't leave us alone. You gave us a counselor. And that counselor counsels us through your holy word. And I ask God that that you prepare the, the ears of the hearers in my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I get started in this, I got a, somebody, somebody, some very special person slipped in the very back. It's good to see you, Pastor Don. We love you. James is often referred to as the book of tests. Paul said to examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. The book of James is a good standard to use for that examination. Chapter 1 was the tests of trials. We know many that come in, come to the Lord, seem to have had a strong relationship with Him or some relationship with Him. Then all of a sudden, someone dies, someone gets sick, I didn't plan on this, and they're out. Peter himself said that tests are often a, a, a trial of our faith that test the genuineness of it. We find out if it's real or not. And then there was the test of temptation. People come to the Lord sometime and all of a sudden they're here and something is more enticing than this relationship with him and they're gone. When I thought about these tests, I thought about the words of Jesus in the four soils where he said in one of the soils that you come but then the trials of life happen and they go away. Or then the deceitful of riches happen and they go away. And so the first test is the test of trials and the test of temptations. And then there's the works test. We dealt with that last, extensively the last couple weeks. Many think, well, I just come in, I, 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 I agree to a certain set of uh, a, a religious creed. I say, I say a little prayer, and I walk out, and I've and I got my fire insurance, and I'm done with it. But then we say, no, there's something to do in this thing. Well, I didn't sign up for that, so I think I'll head on down the road. There's the works test. And now the speech test. The speech test. The subtitle of last week's message was, Does Your Walk Match Your Talk? I could reverse that this week and I could say, Does Your Talk Match Your Walk? I still remember being 
told early in the police academy by the police attorney that people would formulate an opinion of you based on three things. How we look, how we talk, and how we write. And I never forgot that. And I still try to keep that in mind today. People will formulate an opinion on you about how you look, how we walk, and how we write. But let's face it, verbal communication is the first impression we'll make on anyone. How many of you before have been talking to someone, maybe you had someone you had recently met, and shortly into the conversation, you say to yourself, I think this person might be a follower of Christ. Anybody? It happens. It happens. Why? Did because, they, because they hit you with Jesus right off the bat? No, because there was grace in their speech. That you could just tell. Now, the Bible says that our spirit bears witness with the spirit that we're sons of God. I think our spirit also bears witness with other believers. I've experienced that. I have a good friend named Manny Castro. Brother Dan, you know him. And years ago, he called his daughter. They lived in Los Angeles, California. His daughter was coming to PA school here at Duke. And he called me, and he wanted to know what was safe areas to be. And as I talked to this guy, in about 15 minutes of conversation, I was like, I think this guy might be a Christian. I think he might be a follower of the Lord. And it wasn't just a few moments later, and I forget how it came up, that the conversation went there, and I found out that he indeed was a very strong believer in the Lord. He's become a dear friend to me. My family is friends with his family. He lives in North Carolina now. We've served in a ministry together. But all of that I could just tell by his speech. But unfortunately, most of the time I meet someone that I don't know, and it doesn't take long to tell by their speech that they're not a follower of Christ. That is not often that hard to tell. So our, first, our speech is our first opportunity to be a good or a poor witness for Christ. And I will tell you, there's times I think I've done it pretty well, and there's been some times I'm not so sure I did that so well. A couple examples, I, I'm reluctant to go there, but you know, James, we'll see in a minute, James says, we're not a perfect man. I can tell you, I'm not a perfect man. But there was a time when I was working that a, a, a guy that we spent a lot of time with, he, he looked at me and he said, he looked at our team that we was with and he said, I noticed the Sarge referring to me, he don't use, he don't use bad language like you guys do, like the rest of my team did. And I just simply said, look, I, as a follower of the Lord, I try not to talk like that. So he had already seen something different in me by my, what he did not hear. And the same is true of you. However, not too long ago, it was, it was Memorial Day weekend of 2020. That's how vivid it is in my mind. At the beach, COVID had just hit. And unfortunately, I think sometimes with COVID, some people felt empowered to come and tell you how to live your life. Uh, and that doesn't always go too well with me. Um, many times through this, I've had to say, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. That's actually a scripture. But uh, at that time, they had, they had, the mask mandate wasn't in yet, but they had just put the directional areas in the grocery store. I didn't know that. And I was walking apparently down the wrong way, and some lady approached me and felt empowered to say, you're going the wrong way. And I said, what are you talking about? You're going the wrong way. I said, what are you talking about, lady? I don't, I'm just walking down the aisle. And then she proceeds to blast me about how I'm just one of those people who want everybody to be sick and die and all. And I just said, why don't you mind your own business? Which I shouldn't have said, by the way. I shouldn't have said it. And then that really lit her up. And she started. And the things that went through my head to say to that woman, I got my buggy and I just kept walking. And, and so I just should have kept my mouth shut. I should have just kept my mouth shut. Now, I did at the end, and thank goodness, because if I would have said what went through my head, 
I'd have had to repent. I'd have had to ask her for forgiveness. But that happens because that, that tongue, what differentiates, and we'll see James says, what differentiates the sin of the tongue as opposed to other sin is it happens just like that. In a moment of frustration, a moment of anger. Maybe you're already frustrated about something. That's when it'll happen. You're already upset about something. Maybe something ain't going well in life. Maybe you're upset with your kids. Maybe you're upset with your wife. And along comes somebody and says something, and that's all you needed to let it rip. And then you're like, man, I just blew it. But it happens. The Scripture tells us that there is life and death in the tongue. And if I had said what I went through my head to that lady, it would have been death to her. And it would have been sin to me. And so I'm, I'm glad I didn't. And because of that, it's important to learn to control it. And boy, that's hard today. Some people can never learn to control it. Like Annabella Young, who was buried in a churchyard in England. True story. Her tombstone reads, beneath this stone, a lump of clay. Lies Annabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. One preacher said a lady came up to him and said, Pastor, I'm really convicted in in my gossip and all, and I want to lay my tongue on the altar. He said, the altar ain't that big. (laughs) So some of us, we never learn to control it, but we have to. So how do we go about taming this tongue? I I want to offer three things to you to help us to understand why we need to tame our tongue. First, we begin to tame the tongue when we know that we'll be held accountable to God for our words. We're going to be held accountable to him for what we say. That's what James is saying in verses 1 and 2. When he says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. James is saying for those who are teachers and preachers like myself, and many of you are, that we're going to receive a stricter judgment. And that makes me take this very, very serious. We should take it very, very serious anyway. But I, I don't take lightly the fact that when I come up here and stand before you when I'm preparing, that I'm handling God's holy word. And that's why I try to make sure that I keep it in its proper context. That I read uh, wh- who wrote it and, and what, what was the circumstances in which they were writing it. It's because I want to present it. I want to present it the way I think God wants it presented and be led by His Spirit. But as I was thinking through this, I'm going to be judged by the Lord, but I also realize I'll be judged by each of you and should be. No matter who stands here or who talks to you about the Word, you should judge that. You should know enough about God's Word that if you're hearing heresy, you should know that it's heresy. So I will be judged more critically for that as well. And I should be, but there's difference between judging and listening and coming to someone who's teaching or preaching or to anything with a critical spirit. If you're, if, you're, if you're inclined to come and say, I'm going to come in there and I'm going I'm to tune my ear in. I'm going to look for one thing that they say and go, aha, you can find it. You can find that. I read recently where someone went way back and found something that Billy Graham had said. And they, they were so critical of him. Do you know how many words that man spoke? Do you know how many millions of people he spoke to? And I imagine if you could have asked him, he would have said, yeah, I've said some things. If I had it to do over again, I wouldn't have said. Because as James says, we all stumble in many ways. That word stumble means sin. We all sin in many ways. 
But he says, if you're able to control that tongue, you're a perfect man. And none of us can control it because none of us are perfect. And as I said, the reason I think James singles out that tongue is because just how quickly we can sin with it and the damage that it can do. But a controlled tongue is a sign of maturity. When he says perfect, it's a sign of maturity when you can learn to control your tongue. When you no longer feel the need to respond. When you no longer feel the need to respond. You don't have to respond to everything. If you're dealing with one of those people who are critical, critical of you, let them be critical. Let them be critical. I, uh, I've got 28 years of, trying to, of keeping my mouth shut. If I'd let my, my tongue rip during my working days in the police department, I'd have lost my job multiple times. So I had to keep my mouth shut because people said all kinds of things. Just before I, just before I, uh, I retired, uh, I was at, the, at a city council meeting. There was a lot of adv- ad- advocacy groups there just trashing the police like they did in those last couple years, saying terrible things, untrue things. And I was there to represent the department. And Tammy was watching it online. I didn't know that. And I get a text, and I'm looking at it. She goes, look, babe, just keep you cool. Just keep This will be over soon. Don't, don't freak out. Don't say anything. You ain't got six months left. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, those things those people are saying. I said, I'm used to that. It didn't bother me. It didn't bother me. And when people say terrible things about you, don't let it bother you. Let me tell you what I know that's helped me, and I hope it'll help you. I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am in Him. And if you're looking for a guy to stand up here, at least in me, perfect, you ain't going to get it. You're not going to get that in the next guy. So I want to come to the next guy or to a hearer or someone that God has led to be up here as a teacher to encourage you, not to tear him down. But you can say whatever you want. I know who I am. And I know who he is in me. And, and I found this recently, and I, I wrote it down. I know who I am, and I won't take criticism from someone that I wouldn't take advice from. I won't take criticism from someone I wouldn't take advice from. I'll take criticism, because I have a lot of people I would take advice from. There's people in this church I take advice from, and I would take criticism from, because it would be constructive. It wouldn't be going out on social media and just seeing how, many, how much they can tear you down. Because if you want to go and put a spotlight under someone's life and rip them apart, you can do that. You can take that tongue and you can speak life into them or you can speak death into them. And that's what James is saying. But that mature tongue, it, it, that is, it is a sign of our spiritual maturity. And then lastly, Jesus himself said that we will be judged for every careless word we speak. In Matthew 12 and 36, he said this, but I say to you that every idle word, most translations say careless word, men may speak. They will give an account of it in the day of judgment. When I read that, and I've read it multiple times, I sat back and pondered that for a minute. Quite frankly, that kind of scared me a little bit. Because I thought for just a minute about standing before the Lord and having every careless word I've ever said plastered before me. Now, thank God it's under the blood and I don't know how all that works when I appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But I think, some, I think there's going to be some rewards and some gains and some losses. That's what the Bible says. But I, I've said some careless things. But knowing this helps me to try to keep a guard on it a little bit better. A 
Lord, I'm going to stand before you and I'm going to give an account to you for what I say. So we begin to tame this tongue. We understand we'll be held accountable to God. We begin to tame the tongue. We understand the power that's in the tongue. And James uses three illustrations to show that. Illustrations from nature. There's the power of this thing. First, he uses... Well, let me, let, me re, let, me, let me read these two Proverbs for you before I go into those illustrations. First, Proverbs 12, 18. There's one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Proverbs 18, 21. says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. So James uses the nature to show the power. First, he uses the bits in a horse's mouth. Any cowboys in here? I can tell you I'm not. I got on a horse one time. I thank God there wasn't video around then because Tammy would still be showing it and laughing about it. It was a sight to see. I didn't know how to stop that horse. 2,000-pound animal. But you put a bit in their mouth, and you can lead them where you want them to go. He uses a rudder on a ship. I know many of you have been on a cruise ship before. First of all, it's incredible that thing can even float. And then I think about this city on the water. And that little rudder can guide the whole ship. And then he uses fires, forest fires. Many of us saw the devastation in Hawaii recently. They said they thought that come from an arc off of a power line. And you've seen out in California and some of the places just the, the immense damage done because someone carelessly flipped a cigarette out in real dry conditions. And it's like that with the tongue. Just one thing can just light a fire and cause all kinds of damage. But he goes on to say that it defiles the whole body. It sets the course of nature. Many translations say it sets the course of life. It can set the course of life, and it's set on fire by hell. And I want to, I want to deal for just a minute for, with three things, three things that it can set the course of on life. First, it can set the course of your life. What you say about yourself matters. And I think too many times we're too self-critical. When we've come to the Lord and he's forgiven us of our sin, we forget who we are in Christ. Like I said, I've, I've had to have to resolve who I am in him. Because it's always going to be someone telling you you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not big enough. I'm too big. You don't know my past. You don't know this. You don't know that. And you speak negatively over your life. And, and we do it. We all speak of ourselves. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And so as you think about yourself, it's going to impact the course of your life. It's going to impact the course of your life. How about this? Rather than speaking all the negative of your life, how about go to this book right here and remind yourself that Jesus said on those who he believed in, he gave the right to be called the sons and the daughters of God. So if you're here this morning, you've repented of your sin, you've put your trust in him, you're literally a son or daughter of the Most High God. Think about that. It doesn't matter who your natural dad may or may not have been. How good he may or may not have been. You're now a child of God. How about this? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. How about no weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
Or I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. So when you begin to speak negative of yourself, when you begin to speak negative of your life, remind yourself who God says you are and what God says he'll do in your life. You know, David had to do that. David, King David had to do that. The Amalekites, enemies of Israel, had come into Ziglag and they had destroyed the city and they had taken all the women, the children, everybody, they had taken them captive. And David and his men come in and all the people have been taken captive and the people are upset, they're angry, and they're ready to kill David over it. And I can imagine David could have said, I'm a terrible king. How did I let this happen? I'm good for nothing. I've failed before. I failed with Bathsheba. I, I, you know, he could have went on and on and on, but that's not what David did. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30 and 6, this is what David did. Now, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. He reminded him who he, who he was. He prayed. He sought the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Jude, the brother of James, he, he lays out a scenario where in the end times, people, you're going to have all kinds of people saying all kinds of things, even from the church, for the wrong reasons, for money, for sensual reasons. You, you know the church the church, the true church is going to get tacked more by the church in the end times than it is the government to begin with. They're going to come against us first. Are we going to get down in the mouth? Are we going to be all worried about it? Are we going to be afraid about it? Let me tell you what Jude said, dude. Jude said this, when that begins to happen, he said, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Build yourself up. You're feeling discouraged, you're feeling down, you're feeling anxiety. Get before the Lord. Pray. Jack Hayward said that means praying in the natural. It means praying with groans. And it means praying with an unknown tongue. Some people don't believe in that anymore. That's just too bad because you just don't know what begins to happen when you begin to get into the presence of the Lord and let Him pray through you. If you've never experienced that, you seek the Lord. So we have to build ourselves up at times. Because it'll set the course of our life. It'll set the course of, of the life of your family. Dads, moms, what you speak, the words you particularly, dads, the words we speak of our families can set the course of that entire thing. Speak life. Love your wife. Speak encouragement over your children. The Bible says don't provoke our children to wrath. Don't put unrealistic expectations on them. Don't put unrealistic religious expectations on them. They will rebel against that. It'll set the course of your family. It can also set the course of the life of a church. Proverbs eleven thirteen in the NIV, it says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. If someone has confided in you enough to share their struggles, as we should, don't gossip about it. Don't run around telling it. Don't go say, we need to be praying for Brother Larry because guess what he told me? You're going to destroy me. You're going to destroy the church. Now, that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with rebuke. There is a time to rebuke. There's a time to go to our brothers and sisters and say, hey, something's not right here. We need to have a conversation. But there's a way to do it. 
There's a, the Bible gives a very good, uh, lays that out, that we go to them in private. And if they don't receive it, we go to with some others. And if they're staying in sin, we put them out of the church. But there's a way to rebuke. And you don't rebuke openly. And you don't run around and gossip and, and badmouth the church. You know, we've never really had that problem here at Bethel. It, there's been a few instances. He's, he's here, I don't think anybody will remember, but I remember several years ago, several years ago, there was a problem. Someone had really been sinfully running down our church. And I guess he just had enough of it. And Pastor Don got up here and from this pulpit right here called it out. Boy, you could have heard a pin drop. But it needed to be done because it was causing problems in the church. And had been tried to dealt with it, you know, privately the way it should have been. But then that didn't work. So sometimes you just got to have to do what you have to do. But the words we speak over ourselves, the words we speak over our family, the words we speak over our, law, over our church can set the course of it. Can set the course of it. So we begin to tame our tongue. We understand we're accountable to God, the power that's in it. And we begin to tame the tongue when we know just how much the Bible has to say about our speech. You know, it's not just the Bible. I'm going to share a few more scriptures with you. But there's some traditional wisdom that's often said about speech. I just want to share a few of those with you. It says it would be better to leave people wondering why you didn't talk than why you did. The first law of public speaking, nice guys finish fast. When it's all said and done, there's a lot more said than done. And that's true. And then this is one I always try to be mindful of. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. You don't always have to respond. You don't always have to respond. But I just want to give you a sampling. The Proverbs of the Book of Wisdom, there's lots and lots and lots of scriptures out of the Proverbs about our speech. Proverbs 15 and 1 a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. There's a big word out there, particularly in the law enforcement world today, called de-escalation. And you know, your words can either escalate something or it can de-escalate it. And if we, as, as followers of Christ, our words should de-escalate. When things are getting hot, when things are starting, you can tell it. It's about to, it's about to blow up in your family with a brother and sister or somewhere. Then it's time to step back and... and Take, hey, take 10 seconds. I've always heard count to 10. There's been a couple times I wish I'd counted to 10. Count to 10 before you respond. We should be the de-escalators. Proverbs 12, 22, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. We should be people of truth. People should be able to trust us. They should be able to trust our word. In Proverbs 10, 19, in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. James finishes this passage of Scripture with basically saying in verses 9 through 12 that our speech should be consistent. Our speech should be consistent. I shouldn't be here on Sunday morning raising my hands and praising the Lord and then on Friday night somewhere cursing men or involved in filthy language or filthy jokes. My speech should be consistent. And it should be consistent in three areas. Our speech should be consistent. It should be consistently edifying. Proverbs 15 and 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but a sinful tongue crushes the spirit. I don't want my words to crush anyone. 
And you've heard it, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names can never hurt me. How many of you by show of hands have been hurt by someone's words? They hurt. So that's not true. They can hurt us. And I don't want my speech to crush anyone's spirit. I want it to build them up. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So our speech should be consistently edifying. That word means encouraging. Our speech should be clean. Ephesians 5.4 says, Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. No potty mouth. That can be hard sometimes. That can be hard when we get angry. That, that, and you know what? There's been some things that's gone through my head before it didn't come out of my mouth, but if it went through my head, it's just as wrong. And I have to say, Lord, forgive me. I mean, I didn't verbalize it, but I sure thought it. We had a pastor friend of ours. I'm sure he wouldn't mind saying it. it he was at DMIP, Pastor Dub, Pastor Don. And he said, I'm a pretty good Christian. I get in the car. And that happens sometimes, you know. But it should be clean. And then lastly, our speech should be full of grace. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Matt, you and the team uh, can come on. And if you guys can do uh, Speak Jesus. So let's be people that when we go out by our talk, they realize that something's different about us. Because they're going to make that first opinion based on that. But I want to give you this. What happens when we blow it? And James said we would. Because he said, if you're, you can tame this tongue if you're a perfect man. And we've all, we've all resolved, at least I have, that I'm not perfect. So I'm going to blow it in that area. What do we do? Well, we repent. Like we do with all sins. We say, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said it. Well, I shouldn't have said it that way. And then we ask for forgiveness to the person that you hurt. And, you know, that doesn't have to be something you did right then. Maybe you've come to the Lord new. Maybe, maybe uh, you've recently come to the Lord and back in your past, there's a world of hurt by, back there by your words. There's nothing wrong with picking up that phone and saying, hey, I want to talk to you a minute. I've come to follow the Lord. And I said some things in the years past, and I know they were hurtful. I just want you to know I'm sorry. And I want to ask you to forgive me. Now, whether they do or not, that's on them. You've released it. You've released it to the Lord. And you've released it. You've released them to decide what they're going to do with it or not do with it. Well, just repent. And then we ask for forgiveness. And I got a homework assignment for you this week. This happens to me quite often. I think oftentimes, too often, I chalk it off as just a coincidence. But have you ever been riding down the road or sitting at home or doing something and somebody's name just comes to your head? Maybe a random person. You're like, does that happen to you guys? It happens to me. Rather than thinking that's just some random thought, the Bible says we don't, we're, we're guided by what? We're guided by the Holy Spirit. And maybe the Holy Spirit is the one who dropped that name into you. And because I've done this before where I've texted someone randomly, hey, you, you crossed my mind today. I just want you to know I was thinking about you. And the next thing you hear is, I needed to hear you. Could you call me? Okay. So, so this week, 
If you're out and about and all of a sudden a name comes to your mind and take time. That's the nice thing about the text these days is you can do it right then. Because if you like me, if you wait, I'll do it later. I'm going to forget it. I'm just flat going to forget it. But do it right then and just say, hey, your, your name just come to my mind. And I just want you to know I was thinking about you. It's praying. Especially, maybe they're dealing with something. I'm praying for you. Those, that's encouraging words. And, and church, we live, in a, we live in a society today. There's a lot of things tearing us down. There's a lot of things making us angry. There's a lot of things dividing us. We don't need to get caught up in that. Yes, we stand for what we believe. Yes, they name calls. That's fine. But we, we can't reciprocate that way. Look what Jesus did. I mean, they put him on a cross. They beat him, put him on a cross. What did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he's our example. And that's a hard example to follow. But we begin to follow it first in our speech. I want to end this morning. Uh, we've got some folks here that are, really, that are going through th- some things physically. And I want us to anoint some folks and pray with them as they face doctor's appointments, uh, struggling with sickness. So I'm going to ask a couple of our prayer workers, if they will, to come down and stand. Altar workers, if you'll come down here and stand, be prepared to. Uh, let's, let's anoint some folks and pray with them. Uh, this song, I Speak Jesus, you know, I was thinking as they were singing that, I was thinking about the, the story about the madman. Here's a man that was, nobody could do anything with him. He lived in the tombs. He cut himself. He must have been half clothed, if clothed at all. Nobody could do anything with him. And there comes a time that's just, doctors just can't do anything. They don't know what to do. I thank God for medicine, but some things are just outside of their control. But along comes Jesus. And he steps up and that man, and you know the first thing those demons said there, they said, What do we have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? And he sent them demons out. And the Bible says that man then was was clothed, he was sitting, and he was in his right mind. So maybe you're dealing with a physical infirmity. Maybe you're feeling with some anxiety. Maybe there's some depression. I don't know. We all deal with them. I just want you to come down now, anyone who will. I'm going to ask everyone in in the building to stand. And if you, you've got a physical infirmity, you've got something, I want you to come and stand right here. And we're going to come down and we're just going to come by each one and we're going to pray with you. We're going to anoint your head and we're going to pray over you. What's God going to do? I don't know. That's God's business. But he's told us to be obedient. And so I'm going to ask them to play and we're going to, and we're going to pray. And if you, if you don't have a need, as these folks come forward, let them come forward. I'm going to ask the rest of you to come and kind of gather around behind them and let's pray.